So we're going to uh, start a new series today called Death to Selfie. Death to Selfie. Uh, what we're going to look at uh, over the next three weeks is uh, this idea of, of what it means to be made in God's image and to embrace his image in us rather than uh, kind of uh, um, elevating ourselves and uh, just embracing uh, you know who we feel like we need to be or whatever else. So uh, it's you know the whole selfie thing. <coughs> um, I was around somebody over the last few weeks too that also carried a selfie stick with them everywhere they went. That was an interesting experience. Uh, it just that you know, in fact, I've heard some psychologists recently say that uh, that they're starting to almost diagnose. Um, uh, compulsive selfie taking as a disorder of some sort, uh, which is again very interesting. Uh, it's, but we we are definitely. I mean, this is nothing new. Actually, we just got there's just new technology around it. But, but we we are a people who are absorbed with ourselves. We are a people who are absolutely absorbed with ourselves. And I don't know. I mean, you have to have noticed. You've, you've been living in a cave if you haven't noticed. Uh, but our world is changing quite a bit in the last uh, 10 or 20 years. Uh, a lot of stuff is, is uh, changing, some of it for the good, and some of it, uh, you just look at the world and you think, we have lost our minds, just absolutely lost our minds. And, and as a nation, um, I think that's especially true of us uh, where our priorities just seem completely discombobulated and, and uh, uh, just just out of alignment, like something needs to give, something needs, you know, several years ago when the financial uh, bubble burst, I feel like there's a uh, moral, spiritual, emotional bubble in our country that's getting ready to burst as well. I feel something's got to give, something's got to change because we are so far, like our 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 thinking is just so askew, so askew. And, um, and so what do we do to get back to like who God has intended for us to be? Um, which, which brings the question, who has God intended us for us to be? Who does God want us to be? Um, we as a nation, I think a, a large portion of our society anyway, is going through a... Um, very serious, like, identity crisis. Like, um, the, the, the news have been full of stories over the last several months about uh, people who are uh, kind of claiming their own identities. And so, uh, you know, my, one of my childhood heroes, Bruce Jenner, um, who I used to, you know, just gaze at my Wheaties box and think I want to be that guy, um, you know, now, uh, is, uh, you know, he is, uh, identifying himself as a woman. He's a man identifying himself as a woman. And, uh, and we live in a society where, um, the, what it seems like the right thing to do is to embrace that and celebrate that. I, I made a post on Facebook, uh, many weeks ago, uh, saying that, when it comes to that particular stories and stories like it, there's, a, there's an inherent sadness in that because no matter which uh, side of right and wrong in that story you feel like you, you stand on, everybody can agree there was something broken, maybe is something broken in uh, Mr. Jenner. And, and it is, it's to celebrate that brokenness is akin to us uh, coming up on a train wreck 
where there's just carnage everywhere and, and walking up to somebody in dire need of help, crying out for help, and throwing them a party. Throwing them a party. Now, a party might make them feel good for a second, uh, but what they need is somebody who will pull them out of their situation and take them to someone who can help them. And we have become the society that just celebrates brokenness. Now, now I don't, before I get, get too far into this, let me just say, this is not going to be a series that's going to be a, a big rant on alternative lifestyles and things like that. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. Um, these are just some of the more obvious examples that have been in the news lately. Uh, there's a, another lady that was in the news uh, recently, Rachel Dolezal. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know who that is. She was a lady who was a president of a chapter of a NAACP and uh, uh, a, a Caucasian woman who uh, identifies as an African-American. Uh, the confusing part about that is uh, the same people that celebrated Jenner are throwing that woman under the bus. Uh, try to make sense of that. I don't know. I recently met um, um, a 14-year-old girl a few, several months ago. 14-year-old girl um, who identifies, I had to write this down because I couldn't remember it, who identifies as gender-fluid, bisexual, trans-romantic, asexual. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not judge. I'm not judging uh, that. It's I'm just saying, how can a 14 year old come to that kind of conclusion about herself? How is that? How is that even possible? At the bare minimum, we are confused as a nation. At the bare minimum. Um. Now, there's a lot of talking churches out there. That um, uh, that really it, everything is uh, kind of bashing uh, alternative lifestyles, bashing anything that's different, bashing anything that's popular. Again, this is not what this is going to be. I just want us to take a look at for a couple of weeks. What does it really mean to? Because again, I think this is an identity crisis. What does it mean to embrace the identity of God? What does it mean to embrace his image in us? All around us, the world is asking the church questions. They're asking, why are you so hateful? Why are you so hateful? They're asking, why do our choices even matter to you? Why can't we just do what we want to do? They, they ask questions like, why would a good and a loving God be against my uh, love and my happiness. And we have to come up with some answers to those questions. We can't bury our head in the, in the sand any, any longer. I was talking to um, my brother back when I was in Oklahoma. And I was, I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm starting to realize that, you know, when it comes to um, raising kids, raising kids, like who, who here remembers, <laughs> okay, embarrassing question time. Who here remembers uh, when your parents gave you the birds and the bees talk or the book or, uh, or maybe they just, you know, or maybe when you first got it from somebody else because your parents never gave it to you, who remembers that, right, right? The whole birds and the bees thing. And, you know, when, when we did that with our older kids, uh, you know, it was, we made kind of an event out of it. Um, you know, we, we wanted it to, to be a memorable 
Not that, it, not that there's any way that could not be memorable. But we wanted, we wanted to make it a kind of rite of passage, I guess you could say. And so we kind of did different activities with, with each of our older kids to uh, really emphasize uh, just the importance of, of us passing on that knowledge to them and that sort of thing. And um, I, I think that um, the, the conversation has changed. The conversation has changed. It's no longer enough for us to talk to our kids about the mechanics of sex. That's not the conversation that, we, that, that I think is most important anymore. I think along with that conversation, we also need to be talking to our kids about uh, what it means to be made in God's image. As a man, as a woman, what, does that, what are the implications of that for us? What are the implications? It's, again, the game has changed, and I think we're late in catching up to it. For, for a lot of us that are, you know, maybe you're in your, your 30s or in your 40s or above, like Phil, um, and, um, <laughs> um, you know, for, for a lot of us, we'll look at kind of the, the, the direction things are going and the, the, the popular ideas uh, that kind of... Uh, present themselves today and we'll look at it and go that's so odd that's so weird or it it just doesn't seem how can that seem right for those that are younger than us for those that are in their uh even elementary school age and teenagers and people in their 20s it's the water they swim in it's just the water they swim in and as a church if we don't begin to Address not 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 in a way that's like you're evil, and uh, you know certainly not that God hates you and things like that. But but address the core of what's going on, which is a generations, a few generations of people who are um, just going completely down a foreign path. How do we address the core of it? And I, th- and I think what, what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks, hopefully we'll address that. So this week I'm going to lay some theological foundation for us, okay? About what it means for us to be made in God's image. Next week I'm going to, uh, I'm going to talk about what it means to be a, a, a woman made in God's image. And, and the following week I'm going to be talking about what it means to be a man made in God's image. Now, before I even get to next week and the week after, let me tell you what it's not going to be. It's not going to be uh, women. You need to be, uh, you know, more effeminate, and you need to be quiet a little bit. Uh, and and guys, uh, guys, you need to man up and uh, you know, uh, be a man and uh, be tough. And uh, no, it's not. It's not. It's not any of that stuff. It's not. Uh, we're not going to dumb it down like that. We're going to look at the uh, theologically, uh, like according to God. Uh, in our place in this world, as, as his, his world, uh, what does that look like and mean for us? And, it's, and it's a, it, it looks like a lot. I'll tell you that. It's not a narrow definition. It's a very, very broad. It's very broad. It's, it's large, kind of big brush strokes. But, um, and there's a lot of freedom inside those brush strokes. And so we'll get to that. This week, uh, let's look at kind of the, the theology of, of what it means to be made in God's image, okay? Because um, this is something that we, we've heard. If you've been in church very long, we're, we're creating God's image. You know, kind of became a buzzword. Uh, I don't know, ten or fifteen years ago, where you heard it started hearing people talking about being, uh, you know, we are image bearers of God, that sort of thing. 
And so what does that look like? So first, first point is this. First point is this, uh, if, you're, if you're keeping track. Humans were created in God's image. That, that's point number one. It's right from the beginning in Genesis. Humans were created in God's image. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The reason he says our there instead of my is uh, because God is uh, a trinity uh, consisting of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're, they're in unity together. One God, three different manifestations. And so it's, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, what, a, a, a heresy that has been taught for centuries is this idea that that man is created, men, males, uh, are, are, were created after the image of God, and females were created uh, then after the image of man. And right off the bat in Scripture, uh, the writer of Genesis sets that straight and by saying, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So when we say man is created in God's image, we're not saying uh, men, dudes, we're talking about humans, all humans, all humans there's something about us that sets us apart from the rest of creation. We are uh, created after the image of God, in the image of God. Now, you know, growing up, I would hear that fact, and I would think about it in terms of what well, must mean I look like God. Like, like and Jamie still thinks that. Um, but... <laughs> No, I would, I would think, you know, being created in the image of God must mean somehow that, that there are physical, like that God, you know, has a head and arms and legs and a torso. And I mean, we're, we look somehow similar. And that's really not what, and I don't know, maybe God does have those, those qualities, but that's really not the point of, of the statement of us being created in God's image. That it's less about our uh, our. our peculiar features, our, our looks, our physical features, and more about um, who we were created to be. Who we were created to be. Like, for those of you who are a little older, maybe you've been uh, married or have some kids, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I remember uh, when my, my kids were born, just this overwhelming sense of, I was made to be their dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I, like not, that's not all I was made for. I, God's made me for so much more. But there was this very acute sense of one of the reasons I was created was to be the dad to these kids. And it just, it just felt, that's just what it felt like. It felt like that was part of the work that God had for me to do. Part of my calling in life was to be the father that my kids needed, to be the husband that my wife deserved. And in the same way that we're created in God's image, I think it's, it's less about who we are and more about what we're called to be, what we're called to do. Let me put it this way. Uh, actually, it's not, this is not my example. There's an author out there, by the name, a theologian by the name of N.T. Wright, and this is his example, but it's such a great example. And he says, uh, he, he compares uh, the idea of being created in God's image as, as that of an angled mirror. 
imagine for a second you're, you're a kid and you, you, you've got a long period of time where you're sick and you have to stay in bed in your bedroom. And you've got a good mother who, who, who feels bad that you're stuck in, back in the bedroom and never get to interact with the family. And so maybe this good mother of yours would, would then uh, set a big mirror in the hallway so that from your bed and through that mirror you could kind of see what was going on in the living room and feel a little bit more connected to the family, and they could kind of see. Really, this good mother really just doesn't want to walk back and forth to the room all day long. But, but what it is? But there's this mirror there, right? And and so you, you both sides can kind of see each other on that mirror. And 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 N.T. Wright's idea is that being created in the image of God is much like the idea of that mirror. That we are as as God's image bearers are much like that mirror. Uh, that God through us is able to reveal Himself to the world. Don't miss that point. Don't miss that point because it is so critical for us as, as, as followers of Jesus Christ to realize that there is no stronger testimony to who God is than us. Now that's scary. <laughs> that's really scary because I know us and uh, us is not always great, Right? And so, but, the, but we, but God through us is able to reveal himself to the world. And then on the flip side of that is the world through us is able to see God and come to worship him. We bear that image in just in the lives that we live, in the way that we interact, that that is our um, that is like our um, um, ultimate destiny, our, the ultimate work that God created us for in this life is to bear his image to the world and so that the world through us would also see him. We bear that image. Now, you don't have to be very smart to realize that uh, the humans on planet Earth suck at bearing the image of God. Like, we're not great at it at all. But man, when we do it, um, it's something beautiful. It's really something beautiful. And I, th- I think this is why the church has come under such criticism and attack over you know, the last several decades is because we lost sight of whose image we were bearing. We lost sight of the weight of that. Like when I think about the weight that is on me, the, the work that has been given to me to bear God's image to the world, to image God well, um, it can be a little bit intimidating, right? I mean, it really can. It can be a little bit intimidating. Like, I don't want to make God look bad. That's not what I want. Even though I know occasionally I do. Last night, <laughs> tell stories. Last night, this is horrible. Um, Don knows what I'm getting ready to say. Last night, we were at that uh, concert. Uh, Rob's uh, family bought their tickets ahead of the rest of the group, and so we were up in the nosebleeds, and they were down near the floor. And uh, so we finally spotted them down below us, and we're waving, and I, hey, hey, there you are, there you are. And then, so I'm up with our, the rest of our group, and I'm like, let's all flip him off. And, um, <laughs> and so we didn't do that, though. We didn't do that. Um, <laughs> It was funny. It really was. 
Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so uh, just that, I mean, I, I, I don't always image God well. I just don't. I wish I did. I wish I could just stand up here and say, I'm so great. Follow me. But, I, but it's more like I'm crippling through this, try to keep up, you know, or, or what, you know, that sort of thing. And so I, we just don't. We don't image God well all the time. And, and, and as a human race, collectively, we definitely don't image God well all the time. And there's reasons for that. Let's get into that. Um, this is, uh, skip ahead. I'm going to skip that next slide. Uh, the next point is this. Jesus is the first of God's image bearers. Jesus is the first of God's image, image bearers, and he's the Lord of all creations. Colossians 1.15 said he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So all of us created to be image bearers of God, Jesus, Scripture tells us, is the firstborn, the first of the image bearers that would come about. Now, him being firstborn, a lot of times we'll, we'll read that and we'll think that that must be, mean that Jesus was created in the same way that we are created. That's not true at all. That actually, if you go back to uh, kind of Hebrew thought, the, the idea of firstborn really didn't necessarily have to do with birth order. What it had to do with was rank, rank. So maybe you had a firstborn daughter and a secondborn son by virtue of the fact that that was a son back in that time. He was considered the firstborn. Or maybe you had a firstborn son uh, who turned out to be a total loser and your secondborn was, was, you know, had things together. And so the, the father, the family could kind of declare, no, the secondborn is actually my, has the rank of the firstborn because he deserves it. Or maybe you have a uh, firstborn and you've adopted somebody into your family and the firstborn dies or whatever. And, that, and then the adopted person could be considered the firstborn. Had nothing to do with... Or, or I shouldn't say nothing, but it didn't always have to do with birth order. It had to do with rank, how you esteemed that person in your family. And when, we, when God calls uh, Jesus out as the firstborn of all creation, he is the premier. He is the highest rank. He's the Lord, excuse me, the Lord of all creation. Jesus is the first. He's the original image bearer. Next thought is this. Jesus is God's... Uh, and not only is he uh, the first of the image bearers, he is God's exact image, a perfect reflection of the glory of God. He's God's exact image, a perfect reflection of the glory of God. Hebrews 1.3, this is such a great verse. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint. So while all of us cripple along and struggle along trying to be the image bearers that we're called to be, Jesus is the exact imprint. He's the real deal. He is the perfect image bearer. We are not. We're far from it. We can't even come close to it, but he is the perfect. That's important. That's important bit of the gospel story that Jesus is the firstborn the Lord of all creation, the exact image of God, the perfect image bearer. Because the next, well, let me, let me hit this point real fast. Like you guys know I like TV, love TV. You guys know, if you've been here for very long, you realize that uh, it's only been a couple of years ago I got my first HDTV, right? Like I've got this thing about me where I don't buy new things until the old thing breaks, 
which, uh, which I think is a good policy, but it's really frustrating at the same time, too. And so, so while all y'all were getting your HDTVs, I was stuck at home with my little 25-inch tube, and, and it was just, I would, just, I would just pray every day, God, please, you know, zap my TV. And, and, uh, and so I would, it, it was just whole, this whole thing. And so finally, finally, a few years ago, my, my TV went out, and I was praising God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So now I'm going to go out and buy a new TV. So we, we bought, we bought a good one, about like, a, you know, you know, it wasn't like the best, but we bought like a 46 inch, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, good TV. And, uh, and so we, we bring it home, we set it up. Isaiah's helping me set it up and, uh, I'm not lying. We turn that thing on and, uh, Isaiah and I single tear and we embraced, we just, <laughs> we just embraced. We were like, it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. So. Like, I, I don't know where you are in your TV, but to me, the best thing, the, the best thing about, uh, about having an HDTV is far and away watching sports. It, I mean, there is, when you're watching baseball, A's baseball, when you're, <laughs> when you're watching baseball on an HDTV, you can see the blades of grass. It is it's honestly better than being in the park. Can we just be honest? It's, it's, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, you don't have people throwing hot dogs at you and stuff like that, but it is, it, but that can be arranged if you train your wife well. Um, and so, <laughs> so it, it, but it is better. It is better than being in the park. It's just so crystal clear. It's just watching sports on HDTV is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And in the same way, I, I, I'm going to bring it around, I promise. Uh, in the same way, God's glory is best seen through Jesus Christ. God's glory is best seen through Jesus Christ. He's the exact imprint. He's the perfect image bearer. And we'll do the best we can, but if you really want to see the glory of God, get to know Jesus Christ. He's the real deal, Right? Now, this point, that humans, even though we've been created in God's image, we have miserably failed to re- perfectly reflect God's glory. We just, we, we, we can't do it. Romans 3.23 puts it this way, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, we all fall short. While Jesus doesn't fall short, while he's the perfect, while he's the Lord, and he's got it all right, he's the exact imprint, we fall short. Of the glory of God. While God wants his glory to be revealed through the earth, through us, so that the world through us can see him, we fail at it. Jesus is the only one who's got it right. Jesus. Now, that said, I've got this idea. I'm not sure if I should preach it as doctrine yet. But I'm just going to throw it out there got this idea. What if, uh, what if the, what if one of the only things that really and truly separates us from Jesus is this idea of image bearing? I'm not not saying we're gods. I'm I'm not trying to preach some sort of heresy. I'm just saying, what if the potential, uh, to be like Jesus is really bound up in our DNA. Like that's who God created us to be. His perfect image bearers. And then 
through sin and through the fall, that all got broken. That all got swept away. The world became fallen. The world, everything got screwed up. But what if in each of us is this potential? What if, what if that's the reason Jesus said, you know what, when I leave, you guys are going to do greater works than even I did? Maybe he knew something that we weren't ready to quite figure out yet. I, I wrote this down. We're children of God partly because we were created to image God in the same way as Jesus, the Son of God. Humans can now only image God by trusting in Jesus and then the subsequent indwelling of His Holy Spirit. Even though we're horrible imaging God, God came up with a plan for us to continue to image Him well. Now, I want to I hit this, this passage in Romans. Romans chapter 1. And then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we're going to start with verse 18. So the book of Romans is just this incredible, incredible book that does the best job of really explaining why we need Jesus uh, probably than anything else in the Bible. It's, it's just this incredible, incredible document. The first uh, seven chapters of the book of Romans are basically setting up the tension, setting up why it is we needed a savior, why we needed a Messiah to come and rescue us, that sort of thing. And so it, it starts off by dealing with the state of the world. Okay. And so this is Romans chapter one, verse 18 starts like this for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. You guys have heard me say this before, that, that I just don't think that it takes any faith at all to believe that God exists. I really don't. I don't think it takes any faith at all. I think you can walk through this world, that you can witness the birth of a baby, that you can see, that you can just take a walk in nature to see, and, 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 and everything gives testimony, gives witness to the fact that there is a God. Where faith comes in is naming that God Jesus. But I'm telling you, if you have some serious, serious burying your hand, head in the sand, serious blinders on, if you walk through this world and, 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 and don't see evidence of God, because it is all around us, all around us. Look at this. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In other words, every, every culture known to man has come up with the idea that there must be something bigger than them out there. Verse 7, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Ooh, that's a good one. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. Hmm. 
For this reason, verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since, verse 26, no, 28. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. So, so, so before you jump on this, uh, you know, Paul hates uh, homosexual bandwagon. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors, of evil. That's my little meadow. She's an inventor of evil. <laughs> disobedient to parents. Also, little meadow. Um, disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They get the, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. I, can I just focus on that last sentence just a little bit and just say, I'm not sure that there's any word or any, any passage in Bible that more accurately describes the direction the American church is heading than that last verse right there. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So, Paul backs up. Uh, I was going to say Paul backs up what I was saying, but I, I'm really backing up what Paul's saying here. That we are off base. Off base. Heading down the wrong way. Now, that's not the good news. But there is good news. There really is. And the good news is this. That we can even still image the Father well because of the sacrifice of the Son and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That that, even though we are imperfect image bearers, the one who was the perfect, the exact imprint of the glory of God paid the price for our sin because only He could do it, because only He was perfect. So that we can live in relationship with God and then When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes uh, to uh, um, help us follow. He is our helper. He's our sustainer. He's our comforter. He guides us. He transforms us, changes us into what God wants us to be, which is his image bearer. Through the work of Christ on the cross, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers, we are then able to image the Father well. Only the, That's the only way. This idea of, of being image bearers, it has nothing to do with good works. Like There's a lot of people out there doing good works. A lot of, a lot of people out there digging wells and feeding the hungry and taking care of you know, those that are in need. And, I mean, there's a lot of people doing good works out there, that, but that's not really the issue at hand. The issue at hand is 
when are we going to become a people who stop embracing or stop uh, pursuing our own um, chosen passions and rather pursue God? Pursue God. Now, this is, again, this is not a, just an just a, um, alternative lifestyle issue. This, go, this goes to the heart of every one of our sins that we struggle with. Maybe, maybe your identity as, uh, you know, your sexual identity is not the issue for you. Maybe your, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's other issues in your life. Maybe it's your propensity towards lying and cheating. Maybe it's your propensity towards just being hateful, bitter. Maybe it's your, your propensity towards controlling everything around you to where you drive everybody away. Whatever it is, whatever that thing that's locked up inside of you that is, that is keeping you from fully um, bearing God's image well to the world around us, Christ stands in the gap so that when we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are led by Him into the world to work and to live uh, in the way that Christ has called us to live, the end result is this miraculous thing where the world looks at me and doesn't see the pastor that told his congregation to flip off their worship pastor. They instead see somehow, miraculously, they see Jesus. They see Jesus. I want us to be a people who will embrace God's image in us and chase after that image. And every one of us can do it. Not because of who we are, not because of where we go to church, not because of you know, the way we were brought up or anything like that. We do it only and purely through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That we're all able to image Him well. And that is the good news. That's the good news. Next week, we're going to get into some more details of what it means you know, to really kind of practically play out imaging God well as men and women of His, children of His. Please come back for that because we're just starting to get to the good stuff. We really are. Bow your heads for a second. Let's, let's, let's close in prayer. And while you're doing that, I just want to ask you, Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you are uh, really struggling with the idea of, um, like, you know who you are. You know what you're capable of. You know what your history is. You're not sure that you can image God well. That seems far beyond who you are. And I want to tell you, I agree with you, it, it really is far beyond who any of us are. So hand your life over to Christ. Hand your passions over to Christ. Hand your weaknesses over to Christ, even your strengths over to Christ, and let Him rebuild you and reshape you into what you were ultimately created, designed to be. And I promise you, I can promise this because I've been through it myself and I've witnessed hundreds and thousands of other people who have been through it as well. I promise you that when you hand all that stuff over to God, even the stuff that you think brings you happiness, when you give yourself completely to God and make Him the Lord of your life, the life that He begins to rebuild and reshape in you, 
to transform you into, that is where true joy is found. That is where true joy is found. Run after that, chase after that, even if it feels like, I I don't think I can give up this part of me. I believe God is still in the business of changing lives. I really, really, really do. Allow him to change your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your word to us and we thank you that you are such a good God. You didn't just create us and hurl us off into space and hope we'd figure it out. God, you gave us a a plan for our lives. You gave us purpose for our lives. And God, I want to find my ultimate purpose in you. I want to find my ultimate purpose in imaging you to the world around me. So God, continue the process of transforming me into the man you need me to be. I know that there are times I'm a long way from there. But just, I just give you permission to to work it out of me. Work it out of me. Make whatever changes you need to make happen. I want to be more like you. God, for those in the room today that have been toying around with this idea of whether or not they should uh, come to faith in you, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts right now, that they would draw them out of the situation that, that they're in. And um, God, that you just give them the courage to kind of step out in faith and just right where they sit to just pray to you right now and just say, God, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I know, I know I'll struggle. I know I'm not strong enough to be perfect. But God, I want to invite you in my life to be that perfection for me. I give you myself. God, forgive me of my sins. Lift me up out of the situations I've found myself in and bring me to victory. Uh, Bring me to victory. God, we love you and we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. Thank you so much for this church. Privilege of worshiping together here this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Okay, we got some really, really good news. Uh, well, I, I'm going to back off one of those reallys and just say really good news, okay? So here, here's the deal. Um, you guys know we've been searching for property. Um, and one of the things I've been so thankful for is that while I was gone on sabbatical, um, a team of people just kept driving this project forward uh, without me. In fact, I didn't find out about any of the progress until I got back. Um, and and they did it, they've done a really good job. Let me back up a little bit and say, Right before I left for sabbatical, <clears throat> we got news that the school district was going to be uh, pretty significantly raising our rent to where it's really no longer advantageous for us to stay here anymore. And so we kind of doubled our, up our efforts to, to try to get out there. And we, uh, we've been looking at a um, property out by the highway um, over near Carl's Jr. where Core Fitness is, uh, those buildings over there. Uh, uh, the building that used to be the Playland building, if you know what that is, if you got kids and stuff. Um, so we were looking at that space and a smaller space right next to it, both spaces together, and uh, began to talk to the landlord about it. Uh, the, the team that worked on that just did such a great job. So all along, we've known this is a two-hurdle process, okay? First hurdle being we've got to come to an agreement that works for us on price with the landlord, okay? And that's a pretty big hurdle because landlords like to make money on their property. And so, um, so that was a pretty significant hurdle. The second hurdle being that once that has taken place, we then need 
favor with the city for a change in the zoning, uh, even if it's just a temporary change in zoning. That needs to happen. And, and, the, and the city can, can at times be difficult when, on zoning issues and that sort of thing. So we're praising God this morning because we came to an agreement with the landlord that is really a good, good agreement for us. And that hurdle has been jumped. So, so everybody give it a whoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. 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 So we're not across the finish line yet. There's still work to be done on the zoning issue. And guys, I'm just going to say, I've seen churches go down this road multiple times and bump into zoning before they finally got it right. You know, so, so I'm not, we're not across the finish line yet, but we're going to praise God this morning that he got us over the first hurdle regardless, okay? And so, so would you just pray? Now, in the meantime, we, I, I want to challenge you. I'm going to roll out a plan for this probably next week. But we need to bathe this thing in prayer and fasting. We need to bathe this thing. Because I'm going to tell you, we'll look at that property and we think, man, we could do so much for God there. Can I just tell you, by and large, the city could care less what we do for God there. Like they're, they're, and I'm not saying they're bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying their priorities and their, their agenda for those properties are different than our priorities and our agenda. And so, so we need to be praying for favor with the city. Would you just go down there? a couple times a week and just park in front of that playland space and just pray over it. Maybe even get out and put a hand on it, whatever. Go down to City Hall and park in that parking lot and pray over that, uh, whatever. But we need, we've got to bathe this thing in prayer and, and in some fasting. If, if you're able to do that, that'd be great. Um, but but we're, I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But praise item, first hurdle is crossed. Uh, the next hurdle could take a couple of months. I'll, I'll, we'll give you progress as we know, but God is good. Amen. 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 All right. Go home. <laughs>